Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Awesome. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, I may have messed up because I put my notes on my phone, and every time I look away from my phone, I think my phone screen shuts off, then it shuts off, and I look at it, and like I'm used to looking at it, and like my face opens all kinds of doors because I'm so beautiful, (laughs) but now with this face mask, even my phone won't open unless I put a passcode in, so if I have to fumble around a little bit this morning, it's because of... Not because of my beauty, but because of my phone's <laughs> stupid. So um, let's pray, okay? Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to gather here. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being so gracious and so kind and always present, always for us, and always just making a way for us, even in places where there seems like none. And so for always comforting us, even when we have broken hearts and and are going through some stuff. So we praise you this morning, and we thank you. Holy Spirit, speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, I was praying this morning about what to talk about, and I ran into my father-in-law. Actually, he was staying at our house with us. He's still there, actually. And um, um, so I was talking to him, and he was telling me on driving up here, um, that they were driving down the road, and they're over in eastern Washington, and he's just driving around down the road. He sees this chicken pass him, and they're like going 55 miles an hour, and this chicken passes him. Like, we wonder why the chicken crossed the road. This one did because he had like jets, man, and he could just like, he was like a road runner, just like, whew, right? So anyway, he looks at Lois, and he's, he's like, did you see that? And she said, I saw a chicken. What was that? That's crazy. And He's like, good. He goes, I got to pull over because I just wasn't sure I seen right. So he pulls over at this little little gas station in the middle of nowhere. And there's a farmer sitting out there in a chair. And so he walks up to the farmer and he goes, hey, I was driving down the road and I seen this three-legged chicken, right? And it just like went, and he's like, I've never seen a three-legged chicken and I've never seen one that could run that fast. What in the world's with that? And he goes, oh, those are my chickens. And he's like, you're chickens? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'll tell you the story. He's like, I have three sons, and every one of them want, wanted, each one of them wanted a drumstick. And chickens only have two legs, right? So he said, I found a way to engineer where I could get three-legged chickens, and then my sons wouldn't fight over it, right? And so my father-in-law asked him, so, well, how'd that work out? How'd they taste? And he's like, I don't know, I can't catch them. (laughs) And so, the message this morning would be um, the three-legged chicken and the three sons of Tara. You're like, who's Tara? Tara's a dude in the Bible, right? And Tara's a dude that had three sons. Like, you remember, there's a, when, when I was a kid, you guys probably think I'm old if I tell you the name of this show. Right, you're like, I've never heard of that. But it used to come on the TV all the time. It's called My Three Sons. And like anybody remember it? It's like even the old channels even have that or it, you know. 
Anyway, but it was, a, it was kind of a cool show, but I was thinking about my three sons and Tara, and, and I was praying, this, praying about, you know, Father, what do you want me to talk about? And I felt a real urge for me to go back and just start with the patriarchs and start with, you know, who is our identity in Christ as we're starting this new year and we're starting this new season. And so I wanted to go through the patriarchs, and I was praying. I was getting ready to study Abraham, and Abraham said, there's a dude I want you to talk about before you even get to Abraham. And I was like, okay. And I was like, who is that? And his Holy Spirit put Tara on my heart. And you're like, who is Tara? Right? It was like when one of our old presidents from Texas used to say, and we're fighting the war on Tara. Not that. Not terror. <laughs> right? Right? They're not from Texas, so it's not what it means, but it's Terra, T-E-R-A-H. So Terra actually was um, Abraham's father, right? And he actually didn't name him Abraham either. And so I love this. I want to show you, you're like, well, I don't believe nothing unless it's in the New Testament. Well, good. I'm glad because I'm going to read something from the New Testament about what happened. And then you guys can be like, fucking everything's falling apart on me. Like, does anybody ever feel like sometimes that's the way their week goes? You know, like you plan something and you work on something and then it just doesn't, doesn't happen. But so here's Stephen, right? He's get, they're, they're getting ready to stone him and he's standing before the Sanhedrin and he just starts preaching, right? And so it says, says in Acts chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then the high priest asked him, Are these charges true? To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land that I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even a foot of ground, but God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. God spoke to him in this way. Your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for hundreds of years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And God said, and afterwards they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Now we're going to go to Genesis. Like, why did you take me there? I'm just trying to prove to you guys who only read the New Testament. Right? Where do you think they got it? Right? Okay, so now we're going to go to Genesis. We're going to go to Genesis Chapter, we're going to start in chapter um, 10 or it's 11. I had it covered. Chapter 11. Now, it, chapter 11 starts off with the Tower of Babel. We just got done with Noah. Noah has a son, right? His name's Shem. Now, now the Jewish people come from the line of Shem, right? So they're actually called Semites is what, what Jewish people are. And so if, if you don't like Jewish people, you're called anti Semitic, and that's where that comes from, right? And so, um, anyway, so it's the count of Shem, and then it goes down through these generations, and it goes through these years. And you'll see it says, two years after the flood, when Shem was 100 years old, he became the father of 
of our facts. It's not the fax machine. And after he became the father of our facts, Shem lived 500 years and had other son. And then you see, our facts was 35 when he had a son named Sheila. What a horrible name. <laughs> What's your name, dude? Sheila? Right? You might as well name me Sue. <laughs> right? And then Sheila was 30 when he had Eber. He was 34. Then he had a son named Peleg. And Pe- who named these kids? Poor, <laughs> poor guys, right? And when Peleg had lived 30 years, he had a dude named Drew. And, and when Rue was 32, guess what? He had a son named Sarag. And when Sarag had lived 30 years, he, he became the father of Nahor, right? And Nahor lived 29 years, and, and he was the father of Terah, right? And then it goes, and after he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. And after Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, or Haran. And so we see, one of the things that I see is, is Terah had an interesting life, right? Be, because here he was, all of his fathers and all of his ancestors were in their 30s when they were having kids, right? But he didn't even have a kid till he was 70 years old and then he had three sons and I always wonder about Terah and then I, I wonder about Abraham right I wonder if he was thinking well am I going to be like my dad is it going to be like 70 and then when, when he gets up there old God's like you know what I'm going to give you a son and he's like I'm so old I can't have a kid no more right and God says no nothing's impossible with me and I've ordained this time and I've ordained this place and I'm going to do a miracle with you and he was 100 years old man that's old right so he was 30 years older than his father, and he was going into a place where he thought it was impossible and that it couldn't happen. And I think of Terah, and I think of, oh, man, that, that must have been really, really tough, right? He had all these things going through his head, and he had all this stuff going through his head and, and um, of how it should be and how it should work out. But it wasn't, you know, sometimes it don't always work out like we tell God to tell it, to do it. Right? Because sometimes God's bigger than that, and He's bigger than all of our plans. And so, basically, it means that life events can bring disappointment with God and with other things around us. Right? But, but those life events can have an impact that affects the outcome of our spiritual lives today, and we want to look at, at, at things that are affecting us in, in our lives. Right? And the outcomes... And not allowing outcomes to affect how we walk. And like that can be like I, I, I wanted to win the Colt Starting Challenge National Championships, right? I gave everything I had. Come a little bit short, right? I could have got bitter and could have got mad at God, but I didn't. I chose, you know what? Just because this didn't work out, I'm not going to give up on you, right? I wanted the Sooners to be in the National Championship this year, Right? They didn't get there, right? Oh, they did. They killed Florida, though. Thank you, Jesus. Right? But it didn't work out that way. But some of us have bigger things to, that, that are bothering us, right? And so I look at Terror, and I think, man, he wanted this, and he expected this. And then God blessed him with it, right? And he gave him three sons. Now, um, he had three sons. It was 
Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Terah, not really anything we're going to go over on the meaning of that name, but I want to go over Nahor, his one son, means snorer. <laughs> Literally, snorer, right? Haran means mountain climber. Woo, right? And Abram means high father, right? And so it kind of made me wonder, you know, did he not like one of his kids? <laughs> like, I mean, when you're born and your dad names you Snorer, right? Did he, I mean, come on, that's kind of a bad name. Maybe he didn't have a lot of expectations for him. Maybe he thought, well, you're just a little lazy or you're not going to be able to accomplish. Who knows, right? But he named him Snorer, right? But here, Heron, man, he's a mountain climber, right? And he's the one that, that um, he's going to do great things, and he's going to be the one that really marks everything. And then he names Abram, right? He said, said he's exalted father or high father, right? Yeah, those two, they're all right. The other one, you know, probably not worth putting another drumstick on a chicken for, <laughs> Right? And so now we go to Terah in, in verse 27, and now let me read just a little bit more. And this is account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in the Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. They didn't name the girls very good either. <laughs> now Sarah, Sarah was barren, and she had no children. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah was 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now think about that. So here, like we just read in Acts, where, where Stephen's saying, you know what, here... Here God spoke to Abraham when he was in Ur of the Chaldeans. And now the Bible actually account is that Terah was headed for the promised land. He was headed for a new place and he was taking his sons with him. But some tragedy had happened in his life where he's like, you know something? I can't go any further. He had, he had lost his son, man. And this son, like he named him Mountain Climber. I mean, this dude probably looked like Captain America, man, right? Probably was out like, you know, shooting stuff with his, not with his gun. I didn't have a gun back then, right? With his arrow, woo-hoo, and coming back, flinging it while his brother Nahor's over there, right? And so, so he's like, yeah, that's my son. That's who I'm proud of. Look at that, dude. Wow, look how cool he is. And he dies. But he says, you know something? I'm going to go on. So he gets up, and so you got to go up, like some people say he went up, and it's like all the way up from the bottom of Iraq down by the Persian Gulf was where Ur was. And so they'd go up, and they'd follow kind of like the, the Euphrates River. Some people say he went up the Tigris, but who cares? He got there. 
right? So what it really did, like I always wonder, well, why didn't they just shoot across, right? It's because they didn't have airplanes, and they had to follow rivers and water because that's where life is, right? So here they're following the river. They're going up there. And God didn't even tell them what land they're going to. He said, I just want you to pick up Abraham, and I want you to go to the land that I'm going to call you to, right? He goes, this land that, that you're going to, I don't want you to settle there, right? This is not your home. This is not your place. That despair and that heartache and that heartbreak and that disappointment is not what I called you to. I don't want you to live in that. I don't want you to settle for that. I want you to move on to the promised land, right? But it says this, it says, but, but when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, how could they come to Haran? He died, right? Like maybe he was climbing a mountain. Maybe he's one of those dumb dudes that climbed the mountain like with, with their fingernails, right? Got halfway to the top and he's like, someone said, hey, cheese, can I take a picture? And then he falls and crashes and kills him, you know, and dies. Who knows? Right? But it was a place of tragedy, and it was a place of heartbreak for them when they were leaving Ur. And then they get to a town, and it was named Haran. Can you imagine that? It was one of the biggest heartbreaks of your life, and worse than, than like a lot of people could even imagine, right? He gets to this place called Heron, but see, this Heron here doesn't mean mountain climber. This Heron means to settle. He got to a place where he settled. You know what? He says, I'm going to settle here. I'm going to settle here in my pain, and I'm going to settle here in my disappointment. I'm going to settle here where I can't go forward and where I can't do anything else, and, and I'm not going to be able to, to do anything else because, like, I'm so caught up man can you imagine like maybe you still hurting so bad and as he's driving or not driving he didn't have a car right but as they're walking he's thinking of his son thinking man i sure wish he was with me i sure wish it would have worked out another way what if they wouldn't have took that picture while he was hanging up there would he have not fallen and the whole walk up there, can you imagine? And he's like, well, at least I get a new start. And then he comes to a town, and guess what it's named? It's named after his disappointment. It's named after that biggest heartbreak. He says, you know what? I'm just going to stay here. You know, in life, we get disappointments. We get heartaches. There's things that break our heart. But God says, I got something greater for you. He's still a healer. He's still a restorer. He still will, will make a way for us where there seems to be no way. Even in the midst of that hurt and even in the midst of that pain. We get to make choices like that. We get, we get, get to say, you know something, Father? This didn't work out like I told you. Did it make it work out? Like, am I the only one who does that? Right? But I know that you have a better plan. And I refuse to be bitter. I refuse to be sour. I refuse to blame you for, for the bad that's happening around me or the bad that happened to me. But I'm going to trust you in the midst of all of that. And I know you're going to make a way. I remember I was moving up here from Oklahoma, and when I did, I had... Uh, 
man, I'd went through some stuff, right? And so um, Linda is my wife, but I'd been married before, and my wife and I were pastors, and she took off and left. And so it was about four years later, and we, man, I just hit the place of my dreams, man. Like the tack room, or the place I was working, had marble floors. <laughs> no joke, man. This dude, the arena was heated, and I was riding the best horses, and I was going to start a church, and we were getting ready to do it, and, and then all of it come crashing down. And I went back to Oklahoma with my tail between my, my legs. Four years later, I had everything back up and going again, and I remember we had went through some really hard times, and I was riding some horses, and it was so bad because we were going through a drought that I thought, you know, this isn't, I don't know what I'm going to do to make it. And so I went into town, and I got a job at the feed store. And I was like, it was a mill too, so I'd like sack, you know, stuff. And then pretty soon he's like, hey, James, he goes, I don't want you sack and feed no more. Why don't you go buy cows and then you can ride wheat pasture cattle and then just kept increasing and increasing. But I had this dream and it was so incredible and I can remember it and see it to this day and God was talking to me. And so I went to my church and my pastor, he, he actually, from back there, he actually just passed away this year, last year, but he was a great man of God. And I love him. And after church, I was like, hey, can I talk to you? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, I had this dream, right? I had this dream and it's so cool. And and, and I don't even know how all this is going to happen or what God's going to do, but it's just so good. Don't you see it? It had nothing to do with horses, right? It had nothing to do with the physical stuff. But I was like, like, like this is what's going on. What, what, am I, what, what do you think? And he's like, that's a good dream. But he said, well, I was sitting here talking to you. God said he's going to bring you horses from places that you didn't even know was possible. And he's going to take you places where you never even dreamed. You just have to be willing to move. And I wasn't ready to move. I was still hurt. Like, I was still broken. I still had a really hard time. And it, and it was four years, right? Four years of pain and anguish. And I didn't want to move past all that stuff. But he said, guess what? God's going to bring you horses. And I was like, yeah, I don't care about horses. I care about what God wants. And so the next morning I get up and I go into town and when I go up to the mill and the feed store, I'd have to check in with them. So I went up and I checked in with them and, and um, the guy who owns it, he's a great guy. I, I loved him and his family. They were just such good people. But he's like, hey, this dude stopped by and was wanting to see you. And I was like, really? I was like, why? And he's like, he's got like four horses he wants to put in training with you. It's like, What? And so I was like, okay, well, I'll talk to him. He ended up being a phenomenal guy. I really liked him, right? So I called him, and he's like, hey, yeah, I want to bring you four horses. Well, when do you want to bring them? Today. Within the next week, I went from two horses to 26 horses in training. And God's like, just look at me. I got great things for you, but we're not going to stop here. We're going to do great, great things. And so I had one colt that I ended up taking to the Paint World Show, and Finished in the, in the top 20. I finished 18, which was really good. Like, like, I mean, he was just so good. He didn't have a lot of talent, but, but he had a lot of heart, and he just wouldn't quit, right? And I remember him. He's Leo. His name was Leo. I actually brought him up here with me from Oklahoma, right? And so I got done with that, and I see this ad. 
and it was for a cutting horse trainer. And these people had a cowboy church. And, and um, I'd been doing a little cowboy church in my barn. And um, I'd have like a bull riders come in from the rodeo and crash in my office. And, and rodeo clowns, like they'd come in and there'd be like four guys laying in my office on the floor. And I was like, since you're here, guess what? You're going to sit in here and we're going to have church, right? So I, I got, had practice of not preaching at chairs, but horses and, you know, um, sobering up rodeo cowboys and <laughs> all kinds of things. I was like, you're going to stay here. You're going to pay for it. Like, watch this, right? So I remember I, I was getting ready to come up here. My heart was, I was like, I'm leaving everything I know. How can I do that? Like, I'm heartbroken, and my life has been turned upside down. God, I'm a preacher's kid, right? I shouldn't have ever had to go through that, and I'm the only one in my family who ever went through that. You don't understand, and now you're wanting me to pick up and go to this place. And God took me to the Scripture, and He spoke to me, and He said, Are you going to settle here in your heartbreak? Are you going to get up and go to the promised land? Are you going to get up and go where I've called you and do what I've called you? Because I have a better place that's far better than where you're at right now. And I did. I got on a plane, come up here, and I was like looking for ways to get out of it. Anybody ever else follow God? So I'm going up here, I'm following God and trying to find out, okay, where am I going? What am I doing? How is this going to work out? And I, and I got up here, and God was just right there for me. Boom, boom, boom. I talked to them. They're like, yeah, you can, you can come up here. Come ride our horses. And they had some of the best horses in the country. And God put me right back where I thought I should be, right? So I flew back, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm leaving everything behind. This is totally different. I, like, I lived in the middle of nowhere, Right? Middle of nowhere. It was 45 miles each way to the grocery store, right? And we really, you wouldn't call it a grocery store. You'd call it a mini mart, maybe, right? And I come to Seattle, right? So all this is going through my mind. God, you're going to have to work it out. So I sent every one of my horses home that had just been there like six months. That was my miracle from God. And I loaded up a trailer, threw one horse in, gave everything I had away except just a few things I could throw on one side of the, the tra- horse trailer, and I come up here. And as I'm starting to drive up here, I start getting this fear. And I start remembering that pain. I start remembering that hurt. Wait, I'm leaving everything I ever thought I would love. Everything I ever knew. And then the scripture would come to me. And the Holy Spirit would say, James... Don't settle in Terra. Don't settle in the, this place because it's going to suck the life out of you and it, you're going to die in this place. So I kept going. And I got up here. And uh, actually, they had a cowboy church. And my first Sunday, I was up there with, in the cowboy church. And they're like, hey, I want you to do a demonstration on a horse. And it was in the middle of an arena. There's like a bunch of people. And so I get on the horse, like I'm doing spins. And so Linda had been praying for a husband. And so God gave her the picture of a Marlboro man. (laughs) 
which isn't quite as handsome as me. <laughs> and I don't smoke, right? And I had no, no idea to get married ever again. And so anyway, Linda had been at a women's retreat, and um, she's like, I've never been to Cowboy Church. I think I'm going to go tonight. So she went, but when she went, she got halfway there. She's like, man, everything's blurry. She forgot her glasses, right? So she gets in there. I'm doing the spinning around on the horse, and she walks out into, into the seating where it was and sits down and looks and sees me, and the Holy Spirit said, that's your husband. She's like, I can't even see him. He's like, that's your husband, right? And so God had already had it all orchestrated and ambushed me, <laughs> right? Ambushed her and wouldn't allow her to see all my beauty so I wouldn't think she liked me just because I was handsome, <laughs> right? And put it together. But God had something so much better for me than what I had been wallowing in. Better than the things that I had lost and if we'll trust God and we'll say and get real with God and get real with people around us and say this I've been there I know what you're going through I know what it's like I know how it feels to be locked in and hurting where you're at but I want to tell you God's got a greater thing for you if you'll just keep trusting him if you'll just keep moving forward, you can't put your, your trust in anything in this world. It's all disappointing. If you're putting your trust in the government, it's like having a pet rattlesnake. <laughs> you know, pretty soon it's going to bite you, right? It's, it, the only kingdom and government you can put your hope in is the kingdom of God. And so we can trust him and we can put our hope in him and we can say, you know something, God? I choose to trust you. Everything on earth is sinking sand, but his promises are true and they're just. And no matter how it feels, no matter where you're at, maybe you're out there and you've lost your business and you've lost everything. I'm telling you, God can restore it and he will restore it. Surrender, give it to Jesus and watch what he'll do. Amen. So I was just thinking there's a scripture in, in Malachi. It's like, I'm throwing all kinds of funny words at you this morning, aren't I? Malachi, verse 4, or chapter 4. This is the last chapter uh, in the Torah, in our Bibles, before we go into the New Testament. It says this, Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All, all the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that... And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked and trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees of the laws I gave him at Horeb and for all of Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts 
of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now think about that. He's like, I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. Watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore what's lost. I'm going to restore not only the hearts of your children and, and the hearts of your fathers, but I'm going to restore to you, me as a father to you. He says, I love it because he says, but for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. He's like, man, I can't give you anything but the best and I'm going to give you the best. And so for 400 years, you know what? They had a big party because everything was peachy and going good. No. Do you know what happened? For 400 years, they didn't hear nothing. Not a word, not a sigh, nothing from God. What do you do when you don't hear anything from God? You know what I do? I just do what he told me to do last. Right? Because I know that he's going to make a way and he's going to work. And then I get to trust his word. See, like, everybody's like, well, he didn't say anything so they could do whatever. He, they already had a bunch of word to go on. Right? But here's silence. Nothing new. No more prophets. No more nothing. And then we hit Matthew. Just flip the scripture over and it says this. And guess what it starts off with? Jesus' genealogy. It starts in one. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Do you remember who Tamar was? She was a prostitute, man. She's in Jesus' genealogy. Like some of these dudes are bad dudes, right? Not, I mean, not her, I'm just talking about her, right? But some of these dudes you wouldn't stick in your church, let alone, right? I mean, if you're like that, come on matter what right but so you got all these people coming down and we're and he's what he's talking about he says says the last thing is is about the hearts of the father to the children the hearts of the children to the father and he starts off matthew talking about fathers and children and as i was reading through this it made me think well i know what abraham we know that abraham means father of many nations right he's exalted father well what is Isaac means laughter. And so I was like, wait a second. What if he's telling us a story? What if he's trying to tell us something? So I looked up the Hebrew names of all these, and I put it together. You ever think there's a coincidence? You know, in, the, in Hebrew, there's no word for coincidence. Now, this is what it says. If you put all those names together, it says this. The father of many nations... Na uh, nations in laughter grasp the hill of praise breaking from a rising sunrise or light from a walled enclosure and is exalted supreme my people are noble that foretells about a garment or a mantle strength is within him a large and broad place a worshiper a friend king 
or God's gift, God's beloved, man of peace, the Lord, my light, enlarges the people. My father is Yahweh the healer or the physician. Jehovah has judged. Jehovah is exalted. Yahweh is my strength. Yahweh is perfect. Yahweh is complete. He has held my strength and, and cause, causes me to forget the bad. Faithful, God will add. Yahweh has established. I ask God for this child. Seal and, and signet ring for an ear of grain. God, God will raise up a helper. Just and righteous, established by God. God is great. God has helped giving to follow, to, to be, and to reach. He will add the wish for child to deliver and rescue us with God's salvation. What a coincidence, huh? And that's a kind of running together. I just thought it was kind of cool. No matter how you feel, no matter what you think, God's in control. And he sees things in a different way. And in all these generations, he had a plan and was working for our good. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your peace. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www dot silverlakebaptist dot o r g